Now let's pray, and then we'll jump right into it. Psalm 7. Yeah, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for, uh, for this time once again. And Lord, as we just sang, we need you every hour. Father, I pray that you would uh, meet with us here in this hour, but uh, beyond that, Lord, that you really would guide our steps, our thoughts, our hearts, and Lord, uh, uh, direct those paths. As we look to, uh, to this psalm, inspired by the Spirit of God, but there was a real man, your servant David, as he went through some struggles. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in our own lives to know how to go to the right source and how to, how to even apply some of these principles to our lives as, uh, as attacks may come and slander may come. And Lord, I pray that we'd run to you as our refuge. And uh, would you help me now, Lord, as I teach the word? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. In Psalm 7, uh, there's a little title there that says, um, uh, uh, Shigayon of David, um, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. That word uh, kind of shows up in a couple places in the Bible, that uh, uh, Shigayon, and uh, it's really kind of unclear exactly what it has to do with, but... Uh, but the best conclusion that uh, folks have come to with that is that it's a, a variable type of song. In other words, it has highs and lows. Maybe the rhythms might change. And you're going to definitely see that throughout this psalm as we read it. Um, uh, as, he, as David's kind of bringing his concern before God, and the tone kind of goes back and forth. As far as, here are my problems. Oh, but God, you're good. And here's the dilemma that I'm in. If you would just kind of step in, but... But God, you've, you've taken care of me, and, and, uh, and that's kind of uh, the heart. And so as it was sung before Israel, or, w or with the nation, that was kind of what they would do too, uh, whether it be a real climatic with, uh, with uh, the music or, or what it was. It was definitely times of even maybe shouting in the song, but, but it was kind of variable with it. And, you know, as I go through, when I was reading it and kind of studying it, I kind of felt... Maybe it's because of how I'm feeling today, but I was kind of feeling kind of melancholy and kind of down as Dave was bringing this. But, but as, I, as I was kind of uh, uh, looking at it, I was like, you know, I can kind of see this. I can see this hopefulness in David as he's bringing this before the Lord. But, but it says this, as he's saying to the Lord, concerning the words of Cush, the Benjamite. Now, there is no Cush, the Benjamite, by name in the Bible. And so, so, uh, so there are different commentaries that, that are saying, you know, uh, there are a few um, uh, theories on who this is. There's a, a, a Cush with a K, or Kish, it, it was the name of Saul's father. And this could have been a code word, so to speak, of Saul. Now, understand, Saul was against David, right? This also could have been a man, that, though not named, that David was referring to in 1 Samuel 24 and verse 9, when David was, you know, hollering over to King Saul, basically like, why are you listening to people? Why are you listening to, to the lies that are being said? In, uh, in 2 Samuel 24, I'll just go ahead and read it real quick. In uh, verse number 9. <clears throat> and uh, let's see here. Is that, is that 1 Samuel? Yeah. I'll jump to 2 Samuel. It would be nice if I had it bookmarked. First Samuel uh, 24 
And uh, verse number 9, And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. David, of course, was uh, defending himself. This was when he, uh, he cut a piece of Saul's skirt and, uh, you know, and, and was kind of hollering over at him and, and saying, uh, you know, uh, why are you listening to people? I, you know, if I could have, if I, if I was going to kill you, I could have, was kind of the message he was sending him. Quit listening to people. I am your faithful servant. And uh, that's kind of the heart of David. So David's at this place, whether it be somebody who's, uh, who's been slandering directly to Saul or Saul himself that David's writing to, David is pleading his case before God in this prayer slash psalm. And I think this could be well said that this, is, this could be called the, the psalm of a slandered saint. What do you do when people slander you? When people attack your name, attack your character? By the way, it happens. Have you ever noticed how lost people aren't fans of Christians who want to follow God? You ever notice that? It's kind of just a trend. And, and they don't get together and decide this is what we're going to do. It's just kind of a natural thing. That's what the children of Belial do. <laughs> That's what children of the enemy, uh, by the way, which we all were before we were saved. And, uh, and there's something about it. And so as David starts this off, he, 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 you know, he says uh, uh, in the first, uh, the first five verses, I, I want to kind of I guess the summary of those would be, let God be my trust, the one I put my trust in. He says, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Good place to turn, by the way. This psalm is off to a great start. Because he's looking to God and he's saying, God, first of all, uh, oh, 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 oh Lord my God. He claims that personal relationship. God, you've, you've um, committed yourself to me. We are in this uh, somewhat, if you could say it this way, a covenant relationship because you've promised never to leave me nor forsake me. You've brought me into this place. And, and as we look to God, he says, Oh Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Now David, how many men did he have? Uh, uh, on, on Sunday, uh, Jason talked about David's mighty men, right? Uh, how many incredibly... Uh, uh, just, just, just warriors did David have surrounding him. You know, he had some, some pretty tough dudes. I would have been glad just to have the three with me, but he had, he had a whole number, right? Uh, then, there was, then there were 30, there were the three, then there were 30, and there were, there were several others. He had his own special forces at his beck and call. Okay? And, uh, I mean, these were tough dudes, even, even if you don't look at the top three. And, uh, and yet, what does David say? God in thee do I put my trust. By the way, this was after he slew Goliath. This was after he fought a bear and a lion with his hands. And he says to God, in thee do I put my trust. And folks, I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we, we get into these habits of looking at our past successes. And we think, well, I made it through that one, and so... So if I just do the same thing, you know, if I keep, and, and, and not realizing, wait a minute, God carries us through these things. And then, you know, if, you, if we go back to some of the old struggles and the old trials, and we say, man, remember how I was praying? Remember how I was seeking God and just trying to say, how is God going to come through? And how is God going to deliver me? And then he does. If we miss it, we'll, we'll, say, we'll, we'll say, I got through that. Rather than saying, remember how God delivered? 
So what's David saying? He said, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from them that persecute me and deliver me. There's this reliance on God in, in saying, listen, God, there are persecutors. There are those that are, are coming after me, and I, I need you to see me through. Verse 2, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it to, in, in pieces while there is none to deliver. Can you imagine being face-to-face -face with a lion and there's no one there that's got your back? It's kind of the picture he's painting. And what's that lion going to do? He's going to rip them to pieces and there's no one there to deliver. Now David kind of knows this picture pretty well. Because there was a time when he faced a lion and a lion had taken a little lamb and he was there to deliver that lamb. He was there to, to take that lion by the beard as he describes it. And, uh, and you know, we, we have an enemy. In verse 1, it talks about those that would persecute him, and he wants them to deliver. And he says, lest, lest he tear my soul like a lion. You know, there is one, an adversary that, that walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking who made it. You know, we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. And, and that enemy likes to use people. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> That's why it's very good to, important to remind ourselves of this from time to time. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There is an enemy behind that enemy. <laughs> the one that we see as an enemy, or the one that, that, that we get our sights locked in on, if you would. And, and keep in mind that uh, he, he deceives people. The Bible says that, that one day when the devil's going to be bound for a thousand years, the Bible says that he would deceive the nations no more. What is he doing today before he's bound? He is deceiving the nations. He deceives people. He tricks people. He slanders people. Remember, we're calling this the, the psalm of the slandered saint. He slanders people. You know what that is? He, he tells lies about you. He tells lies to you about others. If, we can, if, he, we can, if he can get us to turn on each other. You see, this is one of the things that he does. And so, so he's pleading with God. He says, would you deliver me lest it goes this far? How far? Like a lion devouring somebody and no one's there to deliver him. I'd say that's a pretty heavy plea. David is seeing some serious gravity in the situation he finds himself in to pray to God in this manner. So then he pleads his innocence with God. Verse number three. Oh Lord, my God. <clears throat> If I had done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him without cause, excuse me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Yet the enemy persecute my soul and take it, yea, let him tread down life upon, uh, tread down my life upon the earth, and la, uh, lay mine honor in the dust. Selah. So, in other words, what he was saying, God, if I, if I'm deserving of this, if I have turned against him that is against me, if I, if I'm the one that created him as my enemy, if there is something in me at all in this that's been iniquity. God, let him just destroy me. Let him take me all the way down to the ground. You see how far David's going? By the way, 
to plead to God your innocence, you better make sure you're innocent. <laughs> right? You're saying, God, if there's anything that I did wrong in the situation, let him just destroy my life. Let him prevail. This is the way he's, he's kind of working out with God. And I, and I want to say this, that before we, before we come to God, or as we're approaching God in this area, this is a very, uh, a very heavy issue as we bring before God. And we say, Lord, would you, you know, avenge me of this thing? But, but before you do so, I want you to understand my hands are clean. I've not done wrong. But, but I, would, I would take it a step further that, that David doesn't really quite go there, but, but if we took verse 3 by itself, if I have done this, I think that's a good place to start with God. Lord, if I've done this, could you, could you at least reveal it to me? Plead or, or appeal to God's omni, uh, 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 omniscience. God, you know my heart. You know, you know what's going on in my life. And, 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 and God, if I've missed something here, but to the best of my understanding, to the best of my ability... I'm innocent of this thing. And, and he's, he's appealing to God in this. And, and you know, it, you understand, there are maybe times in your life when you are attacked, but you kind of asked for it. You know? And maybe you're being overly attacked, but, but somewhere along the way, you kind of asked for it. You kind of stirred the pot, or you kind of, you see what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it's like when the police officer pulls you over and he says, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? You know what the honest answer is? Depends on how long you've been following me. <laughs> how far back do we need to go on this thing? Uh, but, uh, but, but, you know, uh, to get pulled over and to say, you know, I'm innocent. No, you know, none of us are innocent. You know, today driving over here, actually, I crossed the WL line. Okay. Uh, there's something we've done wrong. Okay. So we come before God and we say, Lord, best I understand, I've walked in my integrity. I've, I've tried to do what's right. I've, I've tried to, to, to honor you in everything. And, 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 and you, you put yourself in David's shoes here, as he, or his sandals, uh, as he's, as he's the, the, the armor bearer, if you would, the, the servant of Saul, King Saul, who's hunting his life. He'd listened to some people who had told him that David was after him. So what's he doing? He's hiding in caves. And in this particular situation, when, when he uh, cut Saul's skirt, by the way, twice, he, he could have killed Saul. He caught him one time. Uh, uh, I believe the language he was describing, uh, uh, he was going to the bathroom. <laughs> and then another time, he could have stabbed him with a spear. Or, and he or he took his spear, is what it was. And, and uh, so he cut his skirt one time, took his spear another time, and, and trying to prove to him, I'm not your enemy, but twice he could have done it. In fact, Abishai, one of his mighty men, told him, God has delivered him into your hands. Go kill him. Now that one was always hard for me as I read that, because at this point, David had already been anointed king, to be the next king. He's being hunted by the current king. Any reasonable person will look at this and say self-defense. Right? Yet God was so convinced, that, or David was so convinced that God will put him there in his time, he said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to mess with that. 
So as he says to, 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 to God in this prayer, I, I've been innocent. If, I, if there's anything that I've done, then let my enemy kill me. But Lord, I've been innocent in this. I've tried to honor you in this. So look at verse number 6. We said, let God be your trust. Let God be your, your tower, your place of refuge. He says, arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies. And awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. That's kind of a... Uh, Powerful uh, request. This is a request, if you would, of God's vindication on his enemies. And, and he says, he's asking him, would he, would he arise in his judgment? He's calling for this judgment to happen now. By the way, how many of you are thankful that God delays judgment? <laughs> uh, boy, if we got what we deserved. I appreciate uh, Dave Ramsey. He always says, uh, when people ask him how he's doing, he says, better than I deserve. I love that statement. <laughs> if we got what we deserved... But I'll tell you what, especially before we got saved. And, uh, and to think, uh, like, uh, like what Peter had said in his epistle, he said, the long-suffering of God is our salvation. The fact that he will withhold it, uh, uh, you know, uh, as long as possible. Um, verse number 7. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about, for their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. Now, this one's interesting. So in verse 6, he's saying, he's asking God, would he, would he uh, arise in his anger? Would he avenge? Would he, you know, basically, uh, what's he appealing to? God, would you defend your servant against the wicked accuser? And then he says, and then he says uh, 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 so shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For this, uh, you know, uh, you say, what does that mean? Well, if they're encompassing God, I kind of look at this as, you know what? There are others begging God the same thing. There are others pleading this case. And, uh, and by the way, this is why I think uh, it's so important. When we, when we share prayer requests, and you tell somebody I'm praying for you, you better pray for them. Don't lie. And don't lie about something spiritual. <laughs> But, but, uh, but, but what are we doing? We're, we're coming together on this thing. No, God, this is a just cause. This is something that, that, that we need. Uh, and, and, and take it a step further. Think about this. This is a, uh, this is a national thing that's going on here. This is, this is a military issue. This is uh, the king and, and one of his military men. And, and uh, you know, this, this kind of conflict that is going on as the people are praying I'm, kind of reminds me of our own nation. I believe some amazing things happened uh, in the last election. Now, I will say this. Early on, I was a never-Trumper. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. What? I was a never-Trumper. Uh, early on. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, just, I, I, I just felt like he was, he was playing everybody. I, th I felt like he was, uh, uh, you know, following his own, uh, his own book, <laughs> The Art of the Deal. And he was making a big deal with, with, uh, with America. And I know a lot of people were praying, and a lot of Christians were really concerned about the soul of our nation and the direction of our nation. And by the way, 
guess what? It's, a, it's an election year, and we ought to be concerned about the direction of our nation and the soul of our nation. And, and some of these things are going to be impacting. You know what we ought to be doing as believers? Well, we're praying. We ought to be interceding, and we ought to be uh, uh, compassing God, uh, the, that language there, with these concerns. Saying, God, there are some, there are some wicked, there's some spiritual wickedness in high places in play. God, we need your divine protection. We need you to, to, to keep the way open for the righteous a little bit longer uh, for us to have this impact and for us to, to, to make that difference. But uh, let's go on. Verse number 8. And the Lord shall judge the people. What, what a statement. Notice what he starts off with. Judge me, O Lord. Now, how many of you want to say that, that, that phrase to God? Judge me, Lord. I'm ready. <laughs> That's a bold statement, is it not? But as David is so confident in his position, David is so confident where he's at, as he, as he calls out to God, he says, Lord, go ahead. Why don't you judge all the people now? Start with me. And as judgment falls, I'm willing to, to take where it lands because he believed that his adversary was so much more wicked, so much more ready to be judged, if you would. Judge thy people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is mine or excuse me that is in me so before he was saying if i've done anything god let him, let my enemy just kill me but now he's saying god go ahead judge me according to my righteousness in this situation according to my integrity judge me verse 9 oh let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and the rain and reigns. By the way, verse 9 is a great verse for us to be praying today. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. You ever get discouraged when you look at the news? Um, if you don't, it's because you either don't look at the news or you don't have a conscience. <laughs> but you turn that stuff on and you're like, wait, they said what? What's going on right now? Um, I don't know if you heard uh, yesterday or the day before, uh, Ted Cruz was in Kenai and, uh, and gave a little speech down there. And I only heard part of it, but, uh, but he was talking and he had said, he had said, if you had told me two months ago that people would be, uh, that, that Democrats would be saying, defund the police. He said, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> but you hear stuff, and it's almost like every day you're like, wait, what? This is ungodly. This is wickedness. This is, you know, what's going on here? And we, we look around, and we kind of just feel like things are just teetering, like they're just going to fall at any moment. And I'll tell you what, if I was not a Christian, if I wasn't saved, I'd be, I'd be losing my mind right now. <laughs> what in the world is happening in the world? But we ought to pray as God's people, Lord, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. Let it fall apart. Let them be seen for what they really are. Lord, pull back the curtains, if you would. Help people to see uh, what's actually going on from the one who sees it all. But establish the just and the righteous or for the righteous, God trieth 
the hearts and the reins. It's God who judges everything. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart, those that have integrity in their heart. Uh, now, by the way, I want to say this. Uh, we talk a lot, and when we're looking at the Psalms, we're, many times we're talking about going in a direction. We're following after God. We're going after righteousness, or we're going after wickedness, and going after evil devices. Uh, understand, uh, we're not saved by our goodness. You guys understand that, right? I hope we understand that. Uh, we, we, we can, we can uh, get off quickly. However, I, I want to say this. The blessings and cursings, the paths that, we, that, 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 are, that are before us are about going on those, those things that we're talking about, going in God's direction or going away from God. You understand, you fight against God, you're going to lose. All right? You get that chastening rod is a lot bigger and a lot stronger than the strength of your back. You think, I can handle it. All right, go fight God. But the reality is this, that, that, that when we're playing our case with God in these, in these issues, all that we have to hold on to is the character that we displayed in those activities. How did I carry myself? Did I walk in my integrity, or was I just as deceitful as the one that is after me now, the one that is at odds with me? Because when we realize, if we, if we in, our, in, our, in our mind or in our heart realize that, that I've been just as guilty as the one who's not after me, I don't really have a case to plead with God. Now, now, now instead of saying, God, judge righteous judgment, instead of saying that, I'm saying, God, show mercy to me, but show judgment to him. That doesn't really go very well. So David here, he's saying, God, because I've done right, I, I think, you, you know, I believe you deliver me, and, and uh, my defense is of God, verse 10, which saveth the upright in heart. And the word there, save, I think, I think uh, another way of thinking of it, because I think when we see that word, we think of salvation, uh, spiritual salvation. Another word, way of saying that word, I think, would be deliver. God delivers them of the upright. God, God comes to the rescue, so to speak. Verse number 11. God judgeth, judgeth the righteous. And God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, one thing I like about that word judge is the diversity of judgments. When we think of judge, I think oftentimes all we think of is negative, right? We think of, uh, you know, oh, you're being judgy, all right? Did you know that if I give you a compliment, I was being judgy? <laughs> oh, your hair looks nice today. Oh, you're so judgmental. Yeah, I made a judgment, didn't I? I judged your hair to be nice, right? Um, well, God's judging the righteous. And his conclusion, as he looks at the righteous, and, and in the context of what we're looking at, how he judges everybody, he looks down and he says, he is angry with the wicked every day. Every day. Verse number 12. But let God be my triumph. He says, if he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. Now this is interesting. 
unless God changes his mind, as he's angry with the wicked every day, you see, uh, if he turn not, unless he, unless he changes from this, he will wet his sword. He's sharpening that sword. He's getting it ready for battle. He hath bent his bow. You see the terminology? He's bending that bow. He's got the arrow already in the string. By the way, you don't bend the bow unless it's loaded. Right? It's like, uh, it's like uh, otherwise it'd be like cocking a, an empty gun, right? <laughs> there's, no, there's no magazine in there, but I'm cocking it ready to go anyway. No, no, you're just going to, nothing's going to happen. To bend the bow, you got it ready. It's locked and loaded. And he's made it ready. Verse 13. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. So wait a minute. In verse number 1, God, uh, David is so pleading with God, Lord, would you deliver me? Would you get me out of this? And, and now he's painting this picture. God, you're already ready. You've already got your sword wet. You've already got the bow bent. You're, you're, you're ready for the persecutors. You're ready to just let loose. You know, as soon as you, know, you decide, you deem necessary, you're ready to let this thing go. Verse number 14 as we consider God there in heaven, judging every man, there are consequences. Verse 14. Behold, and, and he's going to give uh, three or so kind of metaphors. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and brought forth falsehood. Travaileth is a, a word picture that's often, uh, often associated with a woman who's who's uh, pregnant with a child and, and at the point of being, uh, being so, so uh, 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 the Bible calls great with child, ready to deliver at any moment, it gets to the point where you're travailing. You're a little uncomfortable. All right, is that a good way of saying it? Are you, ladies, were you a little uncomfortable? <laughs> I know all about this stuff, okay? Um, <laughs> you're a little uncomfortable. Now, uh, in other words, their iniquity has so overtaken them that they're just... They're tired of their own iniquity. It's, they're travailing with it, if you would. It's, it's overcoming them. And uh, uh, it says that they've conceived mischief and they've brought forth falsehood. And it's just so much. Verse number 15. He made a pit. As in give another kind of word picture. He digged it. Here's a guy, he's out there in the woods, and he's, and he's maybe hunting something, he sets a trap. He, he puts this big pit, he digs it, he gets down, gets his hands dirty, and he digs this pit, sets the trap, what happens? He falls in it. <laughs> this is the persecutor, this is the slanderer, this is what's going to happen. And he says this, uh, and uh, he makes this, di he digged it, and he fallen, uh, and is fallen into the ditch which he made. The next one, his mischief shall return upon his own head. Here's another word picture. He's, he's launched an arrow, this mischievous arrow. I'm going to get him. And what's happening? It's coming right back down and it returns to his own head. He lobs a rock at him. He says, uh, it says, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own uh, pate. You see these metaphors, and, and, and what, what's David laying out here? And, and by the way, this is something that I think is a, I think it's a very fair prayer to pray. 
You know, last week we talked about, we saw one of those uh, uh, kind of vengeance prayers, uh, which I would say be very careful before you pray one of those prayers. But when you see uh, the kind of mischief that someone is, is uh, formulating, I think it is very fair to say, God, that thing they lobbed to do damage to somebody else, would you just kind of turn that back around on them? I think that's very fair to say. They, they sent it out to do someone else's damage. Let that thing kind of be a boomerang and come back around and knock them in the head. And so I think of, uh, I think I mentioned him last week, uh, uh, Haman in the book of uh, Esther. So overwhelmed with bitterness. And uh, by the way, it's amazing when you're embarrassed and you're full of pride. By the way, you can only really be embarrassed if you're full of pride. <laughs> and uh, it so ate him up that he had this whole plot. I mean, he was living and breathing to take down Mordecai. That's what his whole life was consumed with. Take down Mordecai, the one Jew who did not bow down when I was marching through town. And then to make matters worse, the king has, has Haman honor Mordecai. You know, Behold, the man who the king honoreth, and marches and parades him through town, and he's so upset, so he builds these gallows, these, 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 uh, 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 constructs this thing to, to, to hang Mordecai on. And he's the one that ends up getting hung on it. You, call, you might call that poetic justice. It's exactly what David's talking about here. The mischief that he was devising, the, 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 the things that he was, what happened? It came back down on his own head. And, you know, it's amazing when we're talking about, you know, again, the, the psalm of the slandered saint. Uh, uh, as, as, as slander happens, boy, does it happen. Uh, I remember uh, um, my, uh, my first pastorate, we, we had this deal this, uh, this guy had purchased this property really to be a help with the church and, uh, and the, the church planter um, of the church that I was working along with. I eventually became the pastor of this church. and He bought this uh, uh, about five or six acres of beautiful resort land, uh, or like a retreat center for uh, camps or whatever. We had a lot of church groups or other large events. And, and basically it provided a small income for the pastor and, uh, and, and became a place that our church could meet. And so when, uh, when our pastor had left and the church voted me in to be the pastor and to kind of pick up where he left off, uh, I was managing that property and I was taking care of things. And, and, uh, and the, the, the manager's uh, sister-in-law started living at the property. And, uh, and she started feeding him all kinds of stuff. Uh, that I was stealing from him, that I was, you know, and everything's on the books, everything, you, you know, you can look at everything, and, and, um, and it was so, you know, I was a very young guy, and just getting going in ministry, and, and it was so hard to just hear these attacks day after day from this lady, and, and I say, look, uh, you know, God's, God's my witness, I've, I've been doing everything honestly, and, you know, t you know tell your, uh, I think it was her uncle, I think, was the owner. And I said, tell, tell, tell your uncle, you know, I'm glad to talk to him about any of this stuff, but, uh, you know, we're just, you know, it was, it was the hardest thing just to be quiet and, and, and try to, you know, uh, 
uh, let things go as they will. Because you know what we like to do? We try to defend ourselves. We saw that in the last psalm. God defends us. God defends us. But we go to God, and, and I think some of the best things we can say is, you know, Lord, just let them be found out. You know the thing about when uh, someone's found out as a liar? The lies they tell kind of start to lose their teeth. But you know one of the most dangerous, dangerously positioned slanderers is one that has the heart of the king. He's one of the counsels to the king. He's, he's, he's got some, some serious influence. And, you know, if it was just some nobody, it'd be one thing. But, but this, is, this is impacting David. He's living in caves and he's running for his life. And, and it just gets very difficult. This is not just, you know, if, if David, if David uh, uh, was in battle and he got a sword wound on the arm, guess what? It's going to heal. But there's something about those slanders that cut so deep that, that sometimes, sometimes it'll impact a limb that you'll never, you'll never get the use of it back, so to speak. You'll never fully recover sometimes. And that's not to, you know, I'm not, not saying to, you know, well, well God, I'm not saying God can't fix you or anything like that. But, 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 but the idea is this, that, that you know, those, those words and those wounds can get so, cut so viciously deep that it's hard to return from. So no wonder David is pleading in such an aggressive plea with God. Because God, if, I'm, if I've done something wrong in this, then let him kill me. Let him take me all the way to the ground. If I've done something wrong, and in fact, God, why don't you just judge everything right now? Why don't you just judge everybody right now? Start with me first, and let's get these judgments out of the way, because this is so intense and so aggressive and tearing me down so low. Would you get this out of the way? By the way, I don't know if you noticed, the only Selah in this one, that, that musical rest, was found in verse number 5. When he basically said, if I'm guilty, let them tear me down to the earth. Let them destroy me. Just pause and think about that. That's what Selah means. Just think about that. Ponder that for a minute. How serious this issue is. So he says, God, let them be taken with their own devices. And, and it's kind of hopeful now. He's no longer pleading with God. He's basically stating what he knows God is doing. God's up there in heaven ready. He's angry with the wicked every day, and he's, he's ready to pour out his wrath, and he's ready to take care of these things, and, and the people will be found out in their own falsehoods and their own errors. And, uh, and, you know, and that's, that's kind of the prayer. Let God avenge you. Let God uh, uh, take care of you, from, from, you know, as, as, as these things are unfolding. Say, say, God, let them be found out in their own thing. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to stand up and say, everybody, i got an announcement to make. <laughs> you see? Uh, it almost gives fuel to the fire when you're arguing with the person who's attacking you. But you step back, and then I love this. He ends it with praise. And you rest, what you do is you rest in that praise. You start with your request, but you just end it with praise, knowing that God is good, knowing that God's going to work it out, that God has taken care, and he will take care again.
I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness. I know God's going to do right in this situation. I know God's going to judge right. I know God's going to take care of it. I will praise Him according to His righteousness. And will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. I love this. Now, singing... In the Bible and uh, and even you know in our context, singing is a is a is a, is a picture of uh, it's an overwhelming expression of joy and thanksgiving and very often associated with praising God. All right, and rightly so. This is I make a you know a joyful noise unto the Lord and and um, and I think only really until our recent context of the last hundred years or so. Uh, it, could music even have the potential to be uh, correlated with like an angry thing? You know, we have angry music now. But, uh, but, it, but you know, even in history, and, you know, I think about when David got the ark, he was oh, so overwhelmed. What was he doing? They were singing and making music, and David was so foolish, he even started dancing. <laughs> and played the fool in Israel. Because he was so overwhelmed with joy for recovering the ark. So think about this now. The slandered now becomes the singer. David does not just stay a victim wallowing in his sorrow and wallowing in this, this self-pity saying, I'm being attacked, I'm being slandered. And as hard as it is, you know what he's doing? He ends this whole thing turning around. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. I don't have to leave my fate in Saul's hands, the king. I can sing praise to the king of kings. And folks, that's how it is with us. Hey, yes, let your request be known unto God. Casting all our care on Him, for He cares for you, and we ought to go to Him. We ought to run to Him with these problems and with these issues. But at the end of the day, we step back and we say, God, I gave it to you, and now I'm going to praise you because you're worthy. I'm going to praise you because it's in your hands. I'm going to praise you because you judge righteously. You are righteous. It is your character. It is your nature. And you are going to take care of me. And you, you leave it there. And then you know what you do? And this is the great part. You can go to sleep. <laughs> you weren't sleeping before. You were anxious and you were struggling and you were fighting and you were arguing in your mind and you're playing it back and you're hearing what the report was and the slander and you're saying, but, but, and you're arguing in your own mind and, and because you never got a chance to plead your own case. But now you pleaded your case with God. And so I think it was a couple of psalms back when he, when he simply said that, that he was just going to sleep. And that's the beautiful thing about it. When you have fully cast your care upon him, it's no longer on your shoulders. You've unburdened yourself to the Lord. By the way, he invites us to do that. We cast our care upon him. Jesus said this. He said, uh, he said um, uh, all ye that uh, um, are heavy, uh, uh, heavy laden, all you that are weary and heavy laden, uh, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, we're weary, we're heavy laden, we've got these heavy burdens. But Jesus says, once you start partnering with me and you cast those on me and we, we can go through this life together, we find rest. 
And I think that's exactly where David found himself. And that's why even though it was so heavy, there was uh, this joyfulness in the psalm. Uh, and, uh, and it was a variable type psalm. It was, uh, it was ups and downs, but it kind of ended like, God's good. God's got this under control. We're going to be okay. We're going to live to fight another day. And uh, you know, it's kind of where we're at today, isn't it? You know, we have, of course, our personal conflicts and just doing life, but then we step back and even we, the greater context, we're seeing uh, all these things going on. We're like, you know, wake up the next day. What's America going to look like today? <laughs> what do we have next today to look at? And, and uh, you know what? For the saved, it's going to be all right. We're going to be just fine. And so we pray as we ought. We encompass the throne as we ought. Together, separately, we, we, we come to God. and Then we just leave it with him. We say, God, you judge righteously. You see where our nation's at. You see what's going on. And, and you judge righteously. Well, when God start with us, David said, by the way, I hope, I hope we're at that place where we can say, God, start with us. Because you know what we've gotten real good at? We've gotten really good at making church a show. And, but as believers, we think that'd be a hard prayer to pray. God, start with us. Well, the Bible tells us the judgment must begin in the house of God. We should start judging ourselves so we would not be condemned with the world. But uh, wonderful prayer, encouraged by David, as always. And I uh, hope that was a help and a blessing to you tonight. And a great uh, kind of an outline prayer psalm. When, uh, when we are attacked, that's what we ought to do. We ought to go to these things, uh, some of these truths. So I hope that was a blessing.